Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. <laughs> Enoch was tender. Trezor's a brute. <laughs> the Squareball Podcast. To buy the Squareball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. In this edition of the Squareball podcast, we are blinded by the truth of our recent games against Millwall and Norwich. We look around at other deluded idiots in the football world and we try to stay in the game for longer than 20 seconds. Hello, welcome along to the latest Squareball podcast, edition number seven. Uh, and here in the studio, the regular podcast Illuminati, Michael Normanson. Hello. Uh, Daniel Chapman, Moscow White. Hello there. And Paul O'Dowd, Oddie. Hello. Get in touch with us then, podcast at thesquareball.net. Also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, won't hang around today then. Particularly challenging podcast to do today, we felt, um, after the last couple of games. Uh, we will try our level best. Uh, so much so, I think we should probably dispense with any preliminaries and we'll, we'll get straight into the post-mortem of the, of the past couple of weeks. Uh, part one, white watching, cue the funeral music. Sum up my thoughts at five o'clock on Saturday afternoon. They went something like this: No, 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 no. I could go on. No, no. That was pretty much it. And I've been feeling so good about ten minutes before that. Yeah, it was an improvement. Was Norwich? That's one thing we can say with a reasonable degree of confidence that it was at least an improvement. But I'm really desperately searching for positives when, in reality. We've kind of blown it. Well, should we should we rewind back to the Millwall game if we can possibly face that and our uh, fantastic display in front of the nation's cameras uh, losing on Sky? Is there anything positive we can draw from that at all? Because it was it was dreadful, wasn't it? It was disgusting. It was just not spineless rubbish from start to finish. And even when we've been bad this season, um, it hasn't even come close to how bad that whole thing was best player Paul Dickov I just want to cry yeah I was going to say that as a positive but you've got to also look at that as what the hell were the rest of them doing if 37 year old Paul Dickov was our best our star performer on the night but you you kind of got the impression once Kiznarba went off it was a game where you you're re- reliant on players like him and then from that point on really I just think it, everyone probably felt this is it it's going wrong again you could almost sense the team as soon as he went off it just they all seemed deflated and you just there was nothing there. They had a bit of a spark at the beginning. There was a couple of nice tackles, early doors, a few passing moves. But after five minutes, that was about it, really. Well, a lot of that came from Kiznobo as well because he had right. that scrap with um, That's right. with their players right at the start. And you think, oh well, we're, we're up for this mm. if we're throttling their players on the ground in the first five <laughs> minutes. Um, normally we save that till the last five minutes, but. Um, and then yeah, it, but it shouldn't happen that just because Kiznobo goes off injured, that the rest of the team 
basically goes with him. We seem to play without any midfield, which was quite an interesting <laughs> tactic. Apparently, there was well, Snodgrass was maybe all right, but Johnson, Housen, and um, Doyle just absolutely pathetic. There's no other way of describing them really in that game. They didn't. I don't think any of them ever won the ball in there. You know, it's a League One game. There's going to be a lot of loose ball. It's not slick passing that was keeping it off us. It was just a complete lack of positioning, desire, guts. And Becky was becoming really annoying. Just falling over, oh, yeah. backing into players. Just sort of when, when things looking are go- for the free kick. When things are going right for you, you can kind of tolerate it, can't yeah, you? Yeah. But it starts to get annoying when you think, just get on with it. Mm. And then against Norwich, he was milking it as well, just because he was <laughs> <laughs> just because he had his head removed. Get your tongue out your throat and get on with the game. What's wrong with that lad? But, no, I, I, yeah, I quite agree with that. It was so frustrating, and in a game where you want kind of people who are going to put themselves about a bit and he was just flopping on the ground every time a challenge went in but even against Millwall even Andy Hughes who you can normally rely on for some bite there was a point in the first half when a um, a ball was played down the wing and he just turned and watched it while a, a Millwall player thought well that's staying in so I'll go and run after it and get it and Andy Hughes looks amazed that this ball had stayed in you think why don't you why have you suddenly stopped of all people why have you stopped and when Andy Hughes has stopped I mean, he's not much of a footballer, so if he's not going to put the effort in, then he's got an out left. All right, then. Uh, all in all, a, a bad night at the office, following on from many, many bad nights at the office recently. Uh, on to Norwich, then, on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, we lost, and it was crushing beyond all belief. But there are positives to take from it. I, I stuck on Twitter um, asking for reasons to be positive. And actually, the question I put was, how can we make today's podcast more positive after that result? Yeah, how can we make today's podcast more positive? Amen, Stepper. Hookers, Scar and Smack. I like your style. <laughs> I think that's... Um, yeah, and Shep thinks we're going to, it's a decent performance, which is right. Andrew, hey, this is over 140 character word limit. Lots of positives. Passing football, dominating the best team in League One. I feel like... Um, What's that woman called off the football league show? I feel like uh, should be. I'll just perch up on the desk, just one <laughs> one buttock. Uh, solid you can just defense. Shirt a little bit more down. As well, <laughs> um, you don't want me to do that. Um, Doyle, man of the match performance in his perfect role. Kilkenny's ability on the ball. Grella, knitting things together like a, an old woman with a, t- a ball of. No, he doesn't actually put that. <laughs> Overall, <laughs> sorry, Andrew Hay, if I'm misrepresenting your your views. Um, Overall, uh, the best team uh, performance since the uh, scum match. Um, the diamond formation worked a treat. Um, and what else have we got? Uh, old Jenber, LUFC, says, Collins looks good, killer is immense, can't think of out else, lol. Thanks for that, Jenber. <laughs> um, um, they're all right, I think. I watched the damn thing on... Um, an internet stream, constantly refreshing it because the damn things started buffering and it, it looks like a old computer game. But um, at 85 minutes, I was just thinking, keep this as it is, don't make any sudden substitutions, <laughs> um, and we'll take a point against a team that, if things had been slightly different, could have beaten us soundly. If we played like we had against Millwall, we'd have been out of town. But the, in a way, does it make Millwall that little bit more frustrating because we played so effectively against Norwich, we shut them down, they didn't get much space, and, um, well, I, I sent a text to my dad because he was just sending me question marks because he was away from uh, from a radio or a computer, and um, he was just saying how we're getting on, 
and I just said we've we've pretty much controlled the game from start to finish. Just time for us to concede a crushing late goal, and lo and behold, moments later, uh, it, it happened. Um, but we did, didn't we? I thought we we harried them well, so plenty to be yeah, encouraged the, with. The, but it annoys me about what happened with Millwall. If we'd have done that against Millwall, who knows? The worry is going to the next game that having played well and lost anyway, whether that. 90 minutes of playing well so it's going to go to waste and other players will think well no matter how well we play we're just going to cock it up at the end anyway so we may as well not bothered and then we're going to have another oh god please don't let us lose to Swindon again <laughs> <laughs> Going back to some of the uh, the messages we had in I think one big positive was the Doyle and Kilkenny performance in the middle because we still didn't really create much which I, I suppose you look to your wingers and your forwards to do but those two in the middle it actually did work. It seemed that they'd been given proper roles, whereas one of them, Doyle was very clearly sitting, he was kind of defending against uh, Houlihan, and it was Kilkenny was given the space to, to make passes and things. Whereas the last few weeks, we seem to have just been playing a system where Housen and Doyle just equally charge about getting nowhere near anything. Um, so it was nice to see a bit of structure in there. This was the diamond, wasn't it, in midfield? Mm. We played a, more of a diamond uh, formation with uh, Snodgrass at the tip. And it seemed to work well, apart from... Uh, we're still not creating many chances. Um, more was was that not uh, always going to happen, though, given that we were yeah. playing Norwich? I mean, I know people Norwich have said we've had uh, be- barely any chances in three games, but it's different against Norwich, isn't it? Norwich didn't create a fat lot either, um, which was encouraging. So... They're the top of the league and they're um, full of strong ex-Premier League players. I mean, isn't, didn't Stephen Hughes play for Arsenal at one point? Possibly. Or am I confusing him with another Stephen Hughes? There was another Stephen Hughes. I'm not sure yeah, it's the same it's one. Troubling. He might, um, he might be in his 50s now, <laughs> Stephen Hughes. <laughs> I thought, I mean, they're back. Hey, we could yeah. get him on loan still. They're back <laughs> four of uh, Dixon, Bald and Adams. and uh, uh, Maybe we'll just edit point, all of that. <laughs> no, I like that. Oh. I can stay when I did that. Huh? My lack of knowledge about League One. <laughs> yeah, so they're top of the league and really good. And so they'll only lose 1-0. Um, yeah. There is a positive there. And we didn't expect to win. Certainly after Millwall, I didn't expect us to, to even come close to winning. So I was... Cheered up in the, in that respect. Yeah. I think one nil is better than the five or six nil I was expecting. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. The other disappointing thing of the day was that Millwall won five nil and a, a one goal behind us now, which mm. is horribly, horribly close for a team that was like twenty points behind us not <laughs> that long ago. Just to return to what we were saying about the midfield and designated roles, do we now think we're starting to see a chink in that in the armour of Simon Grayson that he, he acknowledges that um, there was a problem with midfield? I would hope so because it was it was bloody obvious to everyone else who's been watching us. Um, Millwall in particular, that's probably the worst game I've ever seen any midfield play. <laughs> Just to go into an extreme situation there, but I don't think any of them in that game. I, I would be surprised if any of them could say they did anything right. Mm-hmm. Snodgrass tried; he was doing trying to admit to do the work of the rest of them, so he can kind of be excused because he did occasionally, you know, at least try and pick up the ball and look to do something with them, but. The other three were just so awful that day. It was uh, surprising they could be that bad, really. I'd like to know what the story is with Kilkenny's fitness, because he's been in and out all season, and he's been injured for some of it. And then, again, the the suspicion was against Norwich that he got taken off because he can't last 90 minutes, and we wanted a, a, a fit fresh player um, to let their winger go so they can win um, <laughs> and all we had was Bradley Johnson yeah enter Bradley yeah. Johnson never mind <laughs> and, um, but so I do wonder if he's seen he's clearly our best midfielder um, and I'm sure that Simon Grayson isn't so stupid that he wouldn't play him because he didn't think he was better than House or Doyle there's got to be some 
something up with his ankles there the a problem that he's just not got right at all this season but I just hope we can keep him fit for the rest of the season and we can keep playing if we keep playing like we did against Norwich then you know we'll finish third <laughs> well the way I see it is that and I posted this on the forum that we've got eight games left now um, it's an eight game season we've just got to win it we've got to be the best out of four or five teams just got to keep doing better than Millwall well no because if Charlton do better than both of us then I don't want to think about things like <laughs> <We've got laughs> to, I'm trying to keep it simple I only want to have to look at one other team on Saturday so eight games to go um, it's an eight game season yeah we've got to uh, just got to do it now I, I think you're, you're looking around with some positive faces and all you're getting is shaking of heads <laughs> yeah. just a general no well, it that. might as well be a thousand game season or a one game season you we might. are not going to go off you know, I'm just thinking eight game season you're not counting the playoff matches <laughs> it's going to be at least ten we are going to go up and we're going to go up automatically because it's Leeds United and we do it the hard way we're going up as champions we got relegated <laughs> twice fairly easily so <laughs> You could say. We, well, that's the one. Well, if we're looking for a positive, we can't get relegated this season. So at least we've got that to. Uh, to I, I'm not subscribing to all this doom and gloom because I was I was as low as it came on Saturday after that game, but um, slept on it a couple of nights. And I think I, I, we can do it. We can do it. Whether we will is is entirely in the hands, obviously, of the of the players. But we, we're capable of doing it, and we showed that against Norwich. So can they can they turn it on just for eight more games? Yeah. We showed it in the first half of the season. I mean, we got up there to to have this this problem that we're having now. I mean, we could just as easily have spent all season in fifth if we hadn't had that good start, and we probably would be feeling better if we if we'd just been in the playoffs position as all season and uh, automatic promotion had been more of a hope than a, a nailed on bloody certainty at Christmas that <laughs> <laughs> we then proceeded to cock up in spectacular fashion so um, yeah that's a bit almost a positive outlook best I can do well so. let's take that positive and cut there and <laughs> had leave things it been entirely different <laughs> and we're now entirely different we might be quite positive yes so whilst we're clinging on to that positive like a fingertips on the cliff edge let's leave that section there and just hope that uh, things go right as we said in the last podcast we have hope and that's all that's left really isn't it part two uh, will be on the way in just a second Here we are then, back in part two, Squareball podcast. Uh, we will look at the news and the headlines and the talking points from the last couple of weeks. Uh, one of the big talking points has been the use of loans this season. It's been uh, discussed very much on, on Leeds United chat forums. Um, we, we can't be far off being uh, being sponsored by Ocean Finance, can we now? we sort of dabbling with loans that much. I haven't had necessarily a problem with the number of loan players we've signed. My problem begins with the number of loan players that we've immediately put in the team. Um, I think some of them made sense in terms of covering injuries and just. And Grayson always says, you know, if there's players available, he just wants them in the squad. But then instead of just having them in the squad so he can use them if he needs them, he bangs them in the first team and expects them to gel immediately. And and it. it it doesn't seem to be working that well, Simon. I think we're very fickle with loans, though, aren't we? Because earlier in the season when we were winning and kind of folks came in and thought, oh, all right, fine, he's not scored maybe as many as we'd hoped, but we're winning, that's fine, he's using them well. Then Gradle came in, had a good impact. Even, you know, 
likes of Capaldi who came in and had a bad game, but you know he had a couple of all right games before then, and people were thinking, oh, it's fine, it's just plugging gaps. And now we're all of a sudden on a bad run of form, you start thinking, are we scapegoating? Why don't they all just go home? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of seeing them all. Like Lowry's had a bad uh, a bad stint really since since we came, but the whole team has, I suppose. So it's he was all right it, on Saturday. Yeah, he was fine. He was fine on Saturday, but it is it is easy to kind of scapegoat people then when. Things well, aren't going well. Or we scapegoating the system rather than just the players. Apart from McSheffrey, who's probably earned it. I was going to say, I don't want to get into scapegoating, but I would say that McSheffrey has uh, ruined all the loan signings. I'd just like to make a very definite and public apology for uh, saying that he would have a huge impact on our season because he's, he's been a, a very enigmatic in that he's a talented player, clearly, but we're either not using him right or his head's not right. Well, that's the weird thing with a lot of the players we've had. Um, well, maybe not a lot of them, but with him and with Volks, they should both have been really good loan signings I mean Vokes since he's gone back has been in the Wolves team I mean he missed an absolute sitter against Scum but it's not you know he's rated highly enough to be playing in the Premier League so you'd expect someone like that to come down to our level and be brilliant um, and he wasn't and same with McSheffrey he's he's around the scene at a Premier League club comes here and he just disappears I almost had a, a theory that um they may be Premier League players, but Leeds United's too big for them. But then I realised uh, that just makes me sound like a twat. Do you think um, McSheffrey's been something of, of, a, of a luxury that we couldn't afford? Because he's not particularly fast. Right, he's got skill and perhaps a little bit of vision, but he's not what we necessarily needed. We possibly needed some pace. or We needed him in a way, because we were playing Bradley Johnson on the wing, and he's been terrible. Um, and we got McSheffrey in, and he's just been worse. So... Um, it's a gamble and it didn't pay off but do you not think he might function well say you know if he had a, a quick man alongside him and he was up front but we just don't have the, the places to accommodate him because you've got Becky out front obviously and Beckford well yeah and that's what I was kind of getting out of the, in, in the first place that signing these players to have in the squad is good so that we've got them I mean the use of um, Gradle when he arrived was perfect just have him in the squad to come on from the bench but um always starting with McSheffrey and, and um, starting with Vokes and F-Frame I, I don't see how just parachuting in a player is going to be better than putting in a player that trains with everyone else every day, every week and then you pull up a Gradle and Collins played well on uh, Saturday so sometimes it can work but I was going to talk about Collins a bit actually because I've, I've, it was on the forum the links that were... Um... The, the Preston Forum with people talking about him and there was just pages and pages of people saying he's the worst the worst footballer we've had here in the last 15 years someone said I would literally stab a baby for this to be true <laughs> when it was when he was linked linked with a loan move to us people were saying <laughs> it's a great day for this football club someone someone said and then he turned up and he, I thought he looked fine on Saturday I think what um, seemed to be said about Collins is Neil with two L's I hope you can hear as I pronou- I'm pronouncing it correctly <laughs> Neil <Neil-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l-l
kind of forgot that he was a much better goalkeeper because of the few cup performances and stuff. But he's just he's generally, he does bring a calmness to it, and like you know that the players know that when they pass the ball back to him, it's not going to end up like out for a throw in in the inside our final third, and he just. I don't know, there's something about him that just, just breeds a bit of confidence in the defence, whereas Ankergren, the crowd is just panic, the defence panics, he can't kick, he can't find a pass with the ball, and it, it does just gives away possession very cheaply. But, I, I don't know, we probably should, shouldn't slag him off too much, because he has been... He's played really well. But he has you, done well. You get the feeling, to play that well, he has to be playing above himself, and that's what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. And I've always liked Casper, he's a bit of a... He seems... Like a bit of a crazy character. But you've got to be to be a keeper. Look at Jens Lehmann. Well, yeah, exactly. And um, there's no need to be a dickhead, which is what, <laughs> which is what Jens Lehmann is. <laughs> All right, then. Well, that's uh, that's that with uh, with Neil Collins. But a quick mention for Paddy Kisnarbo as well. Obviously, uh, just picked up that horrible injury. He's going to be out of the World Cup. Uh, he's got to be our Player of the Year, hasn't he? I think all things yeah. being equal. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. There was a few people at the Norwich game with uh, bandages on in tribute to him and stuff that was quite good to see. But yeah, I, f- I feel really sorry for him. He's, uh, if there's one player who hasn't deserved it, um, you know, it's probably, I don't know, potentially his last chance to play in a World Cup, I guess. He's uh, you know, in his late 20s, so yeah, I'm really disappointed for him. I'd like to issue a personal apology for uh, when he went down against Millwall for shouting, what are you lying down for, you soft twats, at him. <laughs> um, I didn't realise at that point the extent of his injury. <laughs> Nobody knew. <laughs> All right, then, uh, returning to the other loanees, we've, of course, brought in Sanchez Watt from Arsenal, uh, the latest uh, loanee signing. Are we expecting much from him? Because he was at Southend and didn't light any fires there. He only had four games, didn't he? Can we immediately nickname him Dirty? Can we make that official now? (laughs) Dirty Sanchez. (laughs) Is that all right? I think we're expecting a hat full of goals. That's what hoping for. I was going to say, if our younger listeners don't know what Dirty Sanchez means, just ask your mum. (laughs) Google it. That's what we can advise. (laughs) Not a school, though. Yeah. (laughs) But, yes. Uh, Final mention of the loanees, then. Andy Robinson goes out on loan, promptly gets himself sent off after uh, 70-odd minutes. So, congratulations for him. Well done. Maybe not the guy to save our season as we were beginning to wonder strange how over the last few weeks we've started just looking through the squad thinking he hasn't played for a bit and going oh maybe they're maybe they've become really good yeah. is that is that the clutch there must be someone else there straws. Jesus yeah. who's about who hasn't who hasn't kicked a ball in months who's probably who's probably the best player in the world David Sommer <laughs> yeah some people have been calling for him back he's, yeah. he's been doing quite well there but yeah he's been doing really well some of the goals he's scored have been very good I mean it is division Four. That's Beckford replacement sorted for next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right then, that's the that's the loan he's dealt with. Turning our attention to slightly more serious matters, coming round for the tenth uh, anniversary of the deaths of Kevin Spate and Chris Loftus. Uh, going to be a minute silence before the Swindon game on Saturday. Um, players are going to be wearing black armbands uh, versus Swindon and Yeovil, and a nice touch as well. The Yeovil players are going to be wearing black armbands in the game there at Bank Holiday Monday, which is going to be on Sky. I'm glad they're doing that because Christopher and Kevin, it sometimes seems like it's football sort of forgotten. Um, murder that it just kind of gets ignored a lot of the time and uh, the 10 year anniversary is definitely a time not to ignore it and um, I quite like the sound of this um, well not like the sound but I think the turning the backs for the first minute at Yeovil um, as was done in Istanbul I think is a it's probably a good idea sound sound thinking 
Also on that, the families have been raising money for the Candlelighters charity um, all year, and they're going to be holding a gala dinner at Ellen Road after the Swindon match in the uh, in the conference centre. So for full details and all that sort of stuff, and if you want to uh, pledge your support to the campaign, very worthy cause as well, the Candlelighters charity, go to leedsfansremembrance.com. Okay, moving on to uh, slightly lighter matters. Um, the Johnston's Paint Trophy final, one of our few hopes for a trophy this season. Um, wasn't it nice to see Carlisle get absolutely walloped? It was, yeah. Very nice. I'm, I'm not going to pretend I care too much. I, did, I, I, used to, I was paying to go to watch the games and I didn't care. So. <laughs> It'll be ours I'll, next year, don't worry. Yeah, of course it will. I, I, I put £10 uh, down the toilet and sat in my garden to recreate the, the big match atmosphere of the, of the JPT. <laughs> No, I was quite glad to see him get beat and just spoil their uh, their one holiday, I'll call it. As <laughs> one of the things that made me laugh when I was uh, considering the result on Sunday was that it's, uh, I've just checked on, on Google Maps, it's 303 miles from Brunton Park to uh, to Wembley Stadium, a uh, five-hour journey. So a 10-hour round trip to go watch a, probably a Leeds-esque performance, wasn't it, really? You, you knew after half an hour it was all over, which was great. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Serve them right, that's all I can say. Looking forward to our visit up there and hopefully we can get out without them uh, punching any of our players. Is Candle back for that game, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> Might be useful for once. So we can just send him out into the terraces if it's suspended. <laughs> Like, like releasing with, with a bat, like unleashing an Alsatian into the crowd. <laughs> yeah, something else coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're right behind. Well, Square Ball and Friends uh, are launching a transparency in football campaign um, that we're looking to launch on the eighth of April, uh, which is the same day that Greg Clark takes over as football league chairman. And it's basically we want to uh, demand that the football league follows the example of the Premier League in publicly disclosing who the owners of football clubs are. Um, it's obviously been very much in the press um, at the minute and. I think we should be pushing to find out, shouldn't we? You know, for the sake of accountability. Yeah, completely. A lot of the stuff you when you read on the forums, people saying, "Oh, what difference would it make if we did know who owned us?" But it's well, it depends who owns us. Is the <laughs> is the obvious thing to say to that? And it is about accountability, isn't it? As well, yeah, completely. The difference is that you can know. People say, "Oh, you don't know who um, who owns the shop that you buy your trousers in." It's like, well, I don't, but I could find out if I wanted to. I wouldn't come up against some. Swiss idiot hiding behind a St Bernard and a cuckoo clock saying you do not need to have this information <laughs> you would you would be able to go to company's house and they would tell you so just I just want to know for the sake of knowing and if that makes me immature fine it's immature them not telling us yeah well the, the, to flip it on its head it is what is there to hide if there's nothing wrong why are we hiding behind um, offshore anonymity yep and oh. it's not fair to compare a football club to any other kind of business either because people like if I did buy a pair of trousers, I still have a pair of trousers at the end of it. If I give money for a Leeds United season ticket and we don't buy any players, I'm then thinking, where's my money gone? There's nothing... We don't get anything concrete back for the money we spend. Therefore, we need, we, have, we do have a right, I think, to know where it's actually going. The hotel's going to be mostly concrete. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be a great place. Uh, so yeah, that that's uh, all going to kick off in the next couple of weeks. Um, look out for the website; it's not up just yet, but it will be. It'll be transparencyinfootball.co.uk, and we'll uh, we'll link to it on the Facebook page and Twitter and so on and so forth. But yeah, watch this space on that one. Uh, final note on a Leeds team that is top of the league: the Leeds Carnegie Ladies, not the Leeds United Ladies anymore. Uh, Leeds Carnegie Ladies, uh, top of the uh, of the women's league with five games in hand. So well done to them. Um, Do they need the podcast? You know what, that gives me an idea. <laughs> Slight problem. Um, it's all going to go wrong for them soon as well with the introduction of uh, 
the FA Super League for women's football, which um, Leeds Met have refused to pay the uh, 250k a year running costs to be in. And so the seven or eight, I think it's seven current England internationals that have got Leeds Carnegie ladies to the uh, top of the league are all off because they're not hanging around in um, in in what is going to be a, a second a second tier. Um, with no promotion to the Super League and uh, um, there is some talk of them folding. So, <laughs> happy days. <laughs> Le- Leeds team in fire sale due to non-entry into top division shock or something. Yeah, it's, um, it's eerily... I mean, I, I hadn't noticed that they were top of the league because um, I don't follow women's football because generally it's poor. But... <laughs> It's worth pointing out as well that they are playing at uh, Throstle Nest, which um, um, I'm not sure is a particularly stable home ground to have either. So um, uh, enjoy enjoy winning this league comfortably. Congratulations. Well done. Um, find a new hobby. <laughs> but you're not on safe ground mentioning women's football is poor when we follow Leeds United. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, they're better than the girls that we've got in the team at the moment. It's got to be. Uh... <laughs> Would Housen get a game? <laughs> oh, Empire's built on sand. Right, let's move on. Uh, we'll tie up part two there, and part three, our feature section, will be along in just a second. That was part two. We're now back, refreshed, ready to tackle part number three, our feature section here on the Square Ball podcast. Um, and we are choosing to concentrate on this time. We, we, we threw out the title, Blind to the Truth, because we can't face up to our season collapsing around our very ears. So we thought we'd concentrate on people that are blind to the truth. Uh, Football's Delusional Idiots was the subtitle of this. Um, so we sent our... Uh, our troops have to research and come up with some ideas. Uh, Moscow, straight to you then, you go first. F- fairly simple journey, um, get on the M62, go west, um, round Trafford, uh, come off there, there's a football ground, and it's full of them. Um, <laughs> historically, it always has been. Um, Paul Ince came up immediately, um, uh, the, self, the self-styled governor. I think if ever you are introduced to anybody as the self-styled, uh, for example, the self-styled Moscowite, you'd instantly think, wanker. But Paul Ince, so Paul Ince is one. Roy Keane, um, I think, sort of took the Paul Ince model and perfected it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And um, he's clinging on to his job at um, Ipswich at the moment, mainly because I think nobody wants to have to tell him to leave. <laughs> um, I all these pictures of him just... In the boardroom, you tell him, no, you tell him. Yeah, he's probably sat at his desk while the cleaners cleaning up around him. It's like, I thought he'd gone yesterday. Yeah, no, we're keeping him on for, for a little bit longer. But he needs he his delusion that he's some kind of football management genius. He seems to give off this vibe that he has seen the future of football management and it is staring a lot in silence. And that's all you need to do to be successful at the top level. That appears to be what he's based. And you've got this... You've got to concede that... Um, that uh, whiskey-nosed old devil that they that has managed that horrible team for so long. I presume you're talking about Sir Sir Alex Alex Ferguson. Yeah, you, you, got, you may have to concede at some rational points that he was quite good at managing football teams, but you can just imagine Roy Keane sitting in the dressing room during one of his team talks, thinking, "No, why isn't he just staring? Why isn't he doesn't look angry enough? Why doesn't he just sit and stare?" Um, and Somebody else will employ him. I mean, the rumours are that he might end up at Celtic because he's just there is probably a list of people who are just frightened of him. And and when he phones up and says, "I need a job," like, <laughs> yeah, of course you do. No problem. Um, I start on Monday. <laughs> I started last Monday. <laughs> Where are my back wages? All right, I'll turn to you then, Mike. Uh, Who have you picked for your uh, your delusional idiot or idiots? Well, there's a few, but um, the first one, along similar lines to Roy Keane, really, someone who just thinks he's the answer to football management, Harry Redknapp. Granted, he's not done a, a bad job at, at Spurs and at Portsmouth and things, but he seems to... when, when He's he, spent a, a horrendous amount of money, hasn't oh, he? Oh, he has, yeah. This is, these are one of the, the things that it seems he and the press are blind to, because he's got his little friends who work in the press down in London. He always spends loads of money. He tends to run away from things when it's all collapsing. Not saying it's his fault, <laughs> but... <laughs> no smoke without fire. <laughs> <laughs> he has a history, doesn't he? You've got Bournemouth, Southampton, Portsmouth, um, all been in trouble... Yeah, he, he tends to just sort of leave as things are just as the smoke alarm's going off, and um, and then claim it was nothing to do with him. And he uh, generally spends all that money on the same players as well. He's always like, yeah. "Oh, it's got a bit hot at Portsmouth. Thing, I'll go to I'll go to Tottenham and just spend more money on the same guys." It's brilliant. They managed to do that. At- Portsmouth, uh, he managed to buy all the players from Spurs and then buy them all back for Spurs. He must have, he must have been loving that. But yeah, the other thing I've, I found about whilst just looking up his sort of when he was questioned and things, he described, he said that he was one million percent innocent, <laughs> which is <laughs> uh, even for a footballer, that's a lot of percent. A hundred and one, hundred and ten, but a million percent innocent. I believe him. <laughs> so, and apart from that, melting face. <laughs> 
That's that's one thing to hate him for. His son and his son's adverts. That's something to hate him for. Um, and also just the whole thing that he seems to think he should be England manager because he he was he was clearly furious when Capello got the job because. He, you know, he's an old school man. He doesn't like foreigners anyway. <laughs> but to have one managing the England team when it should have been his, despite the fact Capello's got an absolutely ridiculously good CV and has won leagues across the world, European Cups, but he's won something with Bournemouth maybe in the 80s. <laughs> so he should have got the job. It seems yeah, to be his opinion on it. Portsmouth, of course. Yeah. And there's yeah. a witch hunt about this. Yeah, that was the reason. That was the reason he didn't get the job. Thing. Yeah, that was Just the reason. At the time. <laughs> yeah, and he thought that was the reason he didn't get the job, not the fact that. Capello is an infinitely more qualified manager than him. He thought it was because of uh, of all this unfair criticism he had about his finances. And all that criticism that is all just generated by um, the media who all absolutely love him <laughs> every single day. So then the other manager I went for was um, Dominic, the French manager, just because he, uh, he seemed to think that after being knocked out of, um, of the Euros, he thought it would cheer people up. If straight after he proposed to his girlfriend in the press conference, he didn't he didn't answer questions on the game. He just said uh, he wanted to marry his girlfriend, and everyone clearly went, "What a, a cock!" Publicity. <laughs> what, what is he doing? He's, <laughs> we've just been knocked out of the World Cup, and because he, he's he's got other things as well. He picks players like there's rumours that he picks players on star signs and things because he doesn't trust certain players he doesn't trust Leos to play in defence and things like that well, is he like is he the, the Noel Edmonds of, of the French footballing world <laughs> I was going to say Russell Grant <laughs> which you don't if you don't want in charge of football I team, think, I think with Dominic as well is that he's done such a bad job okay he's got him to the World Cup via you know well literally by hook or by crook with that handball but um, he's been dreadful hasn't he and um, he just refuses to go gracefully he said after that um when, when in the face of criticism for not answering questions on the game but asking uh, his girlfriend to marry me I know that it's difficult but it's in moments like these that, that one has need of everyone and I need her <laughs> vaguely sinister brilliant <laughs> she didn't say yes did she they, know, are, they sure are not she... married at this point in time I don't no. think um, so he didn't even get that right <laughs> right we'll jump across the room then over to you Oddie what have you got I had a Toss up between um, Ashley Cole, who is just painfully annoying, and <laughs> when he's got that at home and he finds some slapper hairdresser around the country when she's busy. That's As is alleged in the newspaper. Obviously alleged, yeah. yes. yes. Um, but I plumped for Sol Campbell. Just the man has no shame. He's he thought nothing of leaving Spurs and hopping it across North London to Arsenal. He felt nothing about leaving them for nothing. And going to Portsmouth, but the biggest thing is going to Notts County, yeah. earning sixty grand a week, thinking it was going to be a walk in the park, and he got found out at Markham, being turned inside out by some butcher Sunday League player, yeah, Portsmouth type player, yeah. Yeah. and then blamed lack of uh, broken promises, lack of investment, and just what, just an absolute cock. <laughs> it's a bizarre tale though that he's ended up back at Arsenal. Yeah, I was going to suggest he's probably been turned inside out at another seaside <laughs> resort. <laughs> <laughs> Namely Brighton. I don't think he played there, did he? Uh, I don't think, no, no, no. no, no. Holidays, but never never got a game. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's, his, uh, his levels of 
delusion reached new heights when he was at Notts County and uh, while he was there he was suing Portsmouth for money owed to him for his image rights. It's like, just knock it on the head. You, if you're earning 60 grand a week, you don't need to chase some cash-strapped seaside. Again, interesting theme development with, uh, <laughs> with his, his, some seaside town full of sailors that uh, somehow your image rights, um, you, you need the money. I would have thought it would just been a pleasure to play there. <laughs> To be fair, though, he does have to put up with a lot of disgusting slights from uh, football supporters. I respect him for enduring that. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, Sol Campbell is a good one. Um, And speaking of people who... um Get slights from uh, from football supporters. I tried to think, uh, sorry to use this phrase, but outside the box, uh, and went for referees instead. I thought who's the most objectionable referee, and I was thinking. My first thought was Graham Paul because I used to think he's a, like a horrible media hungry grasper, um, but I, I did then start looking to his background, and I sort of realised, all right, he's not everybody's cup of tea. But he is just trying to carve out a living, isn't he? A little bit, and he's done like lots of charity work and stuff like that. Like he's um, he's done the London Marathon for a hospice, so I think you know he's probably a, underneath it all a, a decent egg. Um, contrast this with a man uh, described by Danny Mills in our interview with him as the biggest ass on the planet. One Mister Jeff Winter, um, he's the guy I settled for. Um, and I was doing my research for this. Um, I look straight at his own personal website uh, first up, and the name of the website itself gives you a clue to his character. How's about this for a, for a URL? Jeff Winter Entertainment and Media <laughs> is his official website. Oh my god! <laughs> and why wouldn't it be? Yeah, I mean, the man is, of course, a, a natural born entertainer. Maybe Jeff, Jeff Winter Fat was taken, <laughs> possibly. Um, and. And a man, obviously, who's had a, a very successful irony bypass. Uh, speaking of football madman Sepp Blatter, he turned around and said, and this is a quote uh, on his website that I've read with my very own eyes, I think Blatter at most times is an idiot who does nothing but promote his own perceived self-importance. <laughs> Pot, I would like to introduce you to Mr Kettle. There you are. Have anyone seen Andrea Sharvin's website where you can ask him any question? That's brilliant. He just answers questions that people pose on his website, and it's just random stuff. Someone put like, "Do you like horses?" and he answered it. And <laughs> is, it, does he, is it like that thing where you text any question and they'll text you back? It is, sort of it like, is basically, but it's, it might not be as good for, for a pub quiz. Does he stray into metaphysics and stuff? Like well, that? There's a good one. Somebody says that they've had a, a fantastic um, apple crop at their farm this year. And, um, does he like apples? And would he would he care for some of their spares? <laughs> and he just writes back and he says, uh, um, "I I think I love apples, but I think somebody else may be more deserving of your apple." <laughs> It's great. And somebody asked him um, what kind. He, somebody asked him why he always wears um, long shorts because he'd look better in shorter shorts. And he just says, "We just wear the training gear that we're given." <laughs> it's all, it's Very all, dry. It's the fact that he does answer it. Yeah. The one about the horse. It was something like, "I remember riding a horse bareback when I was a young boy." <laughs> all right, uh, back to our Jeff. Um, I did part of my research, I'm ashamed to say, on Wikipedia, um, just to see what it said, really. And Wikipedia suggests that Jeff is a Freemason and he's now a recruiter in San Francisco, uh, which which brought up two questions in my mind. Firstly, I've got no real desire to find out if it's true or not, so I'll leave that with Wikipedia. Uh, Secondly, a recruiter of what? What is he recruiting in San Francisco? 
Saul Campbell. Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> His 2006 autobiography was called Who's the Bastard in the Black? And I'm presuming that's a rhetorical question. Um yeah, and in that book, uh, speaking of his final game in charge uh, as a referee, which was uh, Liverpool 4, Blackburn 0, uh, it's worth mentioning this was a game that pushed Liverpool into the Champions League spots, um, and I think it cemented their place versus Newcastle, who were just outside. So it was a particularly important game at that stage of the season. Um, this is the quote, and I'll read this word for word. In the end, I played a little bit extra, waiting until play was at the cop end, before sounding the final shrill blast, a bit like the last post. The fans behind the goal burst into spontaneous applause. It was longer and louder than normal, even for a big home win. Did they know it was my final visit? Was the applause for me? They are such knowledgeable football people that it would not surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, that's actually (laughs) unbelievable. That is a man of epic, epic delusions. Um, the referee, no, Champions League, just, you know, not you, you twat. Um, my favourite bit of trivia, though. Uh, it can't com- be more. Oh, it gets it's every bit as good, and you like this. My favourite bit of trivia to come from this uh, winter wonderland. Uh, oh. It's this last line from his Wikipedia profile. It just really tickled me. And it's referenced back to the question and answer section, which is on his official site, uh, jeffwinterentertainmentandmedia.co.uk, uh, for those that are interested. Um, and I can confirm that I've referenced this information, and it is factually correct. In his spare time, Jeff enjoys relaxing and listening to 90s dance pop combo M People. <laughs> What character? All round Jeff's for a party, though. <laughs> oh, Jeff. I can keep you in the referee realm. Yeah. If you like. There's, there's one more. Um, I guess all I need have to do is say the words Neil and Warnock, and I'm sure we're all on the same page, but with, with, with what I had actually written about this with specific reference to Keith Alexander, who died recently and is a great loss to the game, is a qualified referee. And you know that when he studied to be a qualified referee... He was doing it to gain a deeper understanding of, of the game and its inner workings and to gain a fresh perspective that he could use in his football management career. When Neil Warnock qualified to be a referee, didn't it just make you think he did that just so he could be a cock about it? <laughs> Has he really done that? Yeah, he's a qualified referee. And that's and he needs, he needs to bear in mind, he knows the kind of people that are qualified referees. So coming out all the tongue going, yeah, I'm a qualified referee. It's you and Jeff Winter are the qualified referees, <laughs> Neil. Um, and yeah, and so in his recent, I'm not impressed by his. Well, I've never been impressed by a single thing that Neil Warnock has ever said or done. But um, leaving Palace for QPR, like he's just done, seemed like an absolute dick move to me. After <laughs> all this time, oh, we're all in this together. We'll get out of admin. We're just got to stick close, and we'll get Palace back where it belongs. How do I do a sound effect for a bag of money dropping <laughs> across <laughs> Shepherd's Bush? Any other honourable mentions and mentions from the forum and from Twitter? I have one from a, a Mr Bastard in Osset, uh, who simply says, Oh, Leary, may as well close that thread now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah plenty of other people uh, coming in with O'Leary, and he is, a, he is a fair choice. The man who still thinks that when Ferguson quits, I reckon he still thinks he's probably going to get a phone call. <laughs> Uh, when, the, when the day comes, or Wenger, he's just waiting for one of those two jobs, I think. He wouldn't, he wouldn't lower himself to maybe Liverpool or Chelsea, any of the ones that have come up so far, but one of those two he'll definitely have. He's probably waiting for us to get promoted so that he can, uh, can, so that he, he can be considered again, because I'm sure from his point of view he thinks Leeds United don't want him to have to lower himself to Division 3 to managers. We'll, <laughs> we're waiting to get back to the top level so we can recruit a top manager. Well, I'd, uh, fair, a fair one as well from, uh, given his recent history, Steve Staunton, did a, uh, did a, uh, still... 
persevering as a football manager <laughs> who uh, Antolo described him as uh, King Midas in reverse <laughs> where he's, he, managed, he went to Ireland managed to mastermind defeats against Cyprus um, came here obviously sorted our defence out a treat <laughs> and then went on to Darlington and uh, they've done really well since he's taken over so yeah well well done to him good luck Steve <laughs> good luck Steve hope you get another job soon <laughs> Uh, Dale White as well brought up another Steve, Steve McLaren, who really believed he was a good England manager, and he's he's absolutely correct. And uh, Billy Casper put the link, and we've all seen the the, the infamous Dutch video. Which it's outstandingly funny, it, is that? It is. It at no point does it become painful, which it should really. <laughs> it just stays that right side of ludicrous to make you just watching all the way through to the end. And it was the same with his last game for England when he. Um, how deluded did he have to be to think, oh, bit of rain, I think I'll go and get me brolly. <laughs> and I'll just stand here by the side of the pitch under my brolly and uh, and that no, nobody will mention it, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> Although he is doing um, embarrassingly well in the Dutch league at FC20. FC 20, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't excuse his... Um, FC20. <laughs> yeah, worth worth looking up. If you haven't seen the McLaren uh, Codder Dutch accent yet, uh, look it up on YouTube. It is fantastically brilliant. Um, any more mentions that we've got? Mr603 on Twitter, uh, Phil Brown. He put, I, I hear he's still turning up at the Codheads training ground every day and yelling into his earpiece, <laughs> which you can quite imagine. <laughs> I imagine he's stood at the, at the security fence uh, with the security man telling him to go away and he's still yelling over the fence like in an angry fashion with his permatan. Back to your son, bed. <laughs> Alien Bumnotes uh, puts forward San Herman, who was delusional when he said Cardiff could be bigger than Barcelona. Uh, and also he's put forward Simon Grayson for saying that Johnny Housen would play for England. Was tongue not wedged firmly in cheek? I don't know. Yeah. Somebody, somebody asked him that question. Uh, and, no, and that person isn't getting much stick. Who is it that asked Simon Grayson, do you think Johnny Housen could play for England? And it was, you know, you've got to think quickly. It's like, well, obviously the answer's no, but if Johnny hears about it, he might get upset. Um, yes, if he keeps playing better. Got to talk your players up, haven't you? Exactly. If he becomes a lot better <laughs> and maybe scores and tackles and wins more headers then yes as could I um, Cardiff seem to be fairly unlucky with their uh, their chairman choices after Sam Herman's delusions about Barcelona the, the, the next guy I can't remember who it is they've got now but um, he seems to be labouring under the misapprehension think PR think PR I think it's um, <laughs> no it, it, no it's not coming to me But um, he's not to blame that's the, that's what I'm almost certain of. Whoever is in charge now isn't to blame for any of their problems. A man so delusional he takes it onto a whole new epic scale, doesn't he, Peter Ridsdale? Him and uh, him and him and David O'Leary really need to start their own football club together. Well, we, we I don't think we can possibly top that, so we should we should probably just end that section there. Peter Ridsdale. You have a winner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done, sir. The badge is on the way to you. <laughs> nice little bit of light relief in that section then. We'll, we'll draw it to a close. I think we can't ever beat publicity, Pete, and his, uh, and his uh, delusions of grandeur. Part four, then the predictions. and uh, Well, I say predictions. We'll have a look at what's coming up in the next couple of weeks and panic marginally in just a second. Three down, one to go. Part four of the Square Ball podcast. Uh, the next podcast, just to give you a quick heads up on that, will be out on Tuesday, the 13th of April. That is the day of our return visit to the lovely people of Carlisle. Uh, some games coming up before that next podcast, then over the Easter period. Um, this coming Saturday, we've got Swindon at home. Uh, quickly followed on the Monday by Yeovil away, which is going to be live on the telly. Um, followed a few days later, Saturday the 10th, uh, we're at home to Southend, the day of the next Square Ball magazine. 
Who wants to panic first? I'm ill. I, I gladly will. I've been panicking all week. I've been busy telling anyone who'll listen that we're, we've blown it. Um, I suppose I've, I might, my mood might have improved. Tell me we're going to win three times. Tell me. No, because <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> I can tell you it, but it will be wrong. Um, I mean, oh, well, it, it's better run of games than we've had recently. That's one thing we can say. Like You looked at Southampton, Millwall, Norwich, games that we are going to struggle in regardless of how good our form had been. Because um, the games before that, your uh, yeah, Oldham's, exactly. <laughs> all the shoe-ins against, yeah, the... uh, it was so easy. Yeah, but our terrible form aside, we really should win them. <laughs> <laughs> please, <laughs> just please. What will it? What will it take? <laughs> what do you want? I mean, I'm, I'm fearful of uh, Lucas and Douglas coming back to us because they're. Even though they weren't particularly well liked when they were here, you just know that they'll do, they'll do better against us than they did for us. And well, think, Douglas was always fine, I thought. Is it one of their main centre forwards, Swindon? What's the lad called? Painter? Is he not out? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's out for the season, I think. The worrying thing with Swindon is they think they've got the beating of us after after last time, so they'll just take that confidence. Is she in Swindon as well? This game. Yeah, yeah, but he won't be able to play well because he's on loan, so we can. Hmm. So we haven't even got that that <laughs> solace that she and we mincing around at full back looking terrible. We can't even rely on. They'll his. probably bring in a very adequate yeah. replacement. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah, God. can we just shove all these games into one into one and just Let's wrap it up there? Yeah. Um. <laughs> we, yeah, if we could just play them all at once and then uh, just lose all of them at once. Well, and, uh, and then get try and enjoy Easter. I was thinking if I was given a choice of either playing these games or being able to decide on the flip of a coin I would probably go for the coin <laughs> <laughs> which is not a, which is not an encouraging sign it's getting to a point now where it's pretty hairy isn't it and we mentioned last time out that we obviously just feel like we want the season to be over now we'd be we'd be promoted if the season was over now yeah <laughs> so we'll have five games left after this it's hard to attach any sort of prediction or anything but blind hope isn't it now we've veered so much between in terms of performances as well from Millwall to Norwich there were like different teams and you would the, the positive spin is that if we play like we did against Norwich hopefully with the addition of creating some chances uh, which should be easier technically against Swindon Yeovil and Southend I mean come on let's look at it positively Southend are bloody awful Really? Yeah, Southend they? Have, have one, they have one good player, really, and he's injured. Yeah, so once we've uh, taken nothing from Swindon and Yeovil, <laughs> I confidently predict a point against Southend. That is pretty much how it boils down, though, because by the time we actually get to Southend, which you think is should really be of the three, that's like the nailed-on victory, it almost won't matter if we win that if we haven't got at least yeah. a point or two from the previous two games. So every, every game becomes cumulatively more important. Exactly, yeah. It? yeah. it almost doesn't matter what that game on its own really doesn't matter it depends what's happened before it I've yeah. also, sorry I've heard that um, Paul Huntington is going to be signed on an emergency loan for uh, both of Millwall's next opponents <laughs> <laughs> just cost him on goal yeah them. just to further screw us into the mire dare any of us predict anything for any of these games because we are in internet land uh, on like the forums and, and like Twitter and, stuff, and the Facebook group we're getting blamed for this bad run of form because in the sort of 12 or 13 weeks we've been doing this we've gone from the massive high of, uh, of off the back of the win against Man United to now uh, tearing our hair out 
um, dare we predict? I like the idea someone had of, of downloading the podcast and listening to them backwards. But so we start, <laughs> yeah. we start, we start out struggling, and then we finish top of the league, and we've just beaten Man U in the cup, <laughs> which is probably quite a nice way to do it. But. Yeah, but not listening to each one backwards. No, no, that'd be, we're not going to get some. On, yeah. You get a message Sitting. from. You, you don't want to hear the messages that you get a message from Ken Bates. <laughs> play this backwards. No, we can't be to blame. Not really. No, the players are just um, jealous so, of our we, success. Have we, have we suddenly regressed into the Middle Ages and we're believing superstition and things like that now? Come on, it's the, it's well, the 21st century. This is It's not us, is it? This? Well, people have started citing the, the gypsy curse again, which I'm sure we exercised in about 1974. But um, maybe it's come back. I don't know. I don't know how gypsies work with the curses. Well, there's three games in a week, so it'll be over fairly quickly. Yeah, it will. That's an, an upside, and it's Easter as well, so we can just gorge ourselves on chocolate after every defeat. I think the next next podcast, you won't be able to fit me through the door because I'll just be stuffed full of Easter eggs while the chocolate from around my face. But with it being um, Easter, and the tears running down my my cheeks, with it being uh, Easter as well, I think we've got to in the next podcast do greatest comebacks. Good thinking. Yep, I'm up for that. Speaking of things being over quickly, does that does that lead us into candle? <laughs> yeah, well, I was it, on my uh, on my sheet here. I've got uh, under the section labelled goodbyes, uh, candle, <laughs> good riddance. It's surely unprecedented for a player to come on as a substitute so late in two games in a season, and all he's done is managed to cause a fight. And um, um, the Yeovil incident obviously resulted in a, a ban after because uh, he stupidly must have forgot that football matches are filmed nowadays. And then um, uh, the the Norwich one just march onto the pitch throttle a player march off again but I'm trying it's either that he's got a problem with country bumpkins and Yeovil and Norwich just make him angry and he has to take it out um, in the in, in the only way he can think of or the other angle is I just think Trezor Kandol loves football I think he loves football with depth and passion and when the final whistle blows or is about to blow and he realises that the football match is going to be over. <laughs> it's like a kid being told it's it's bedtime, and he just he just lashes out. And I think that's what it is. He just can't handle a game finishing because he just wants to play and play and play. And um, so hopefully he will play and play and play for another team. So yeah, he's got a, he's got <laughs> he's got a four game ban. There is a possibility, I guess, that he might never play for us again, depending on how things unfold. There is another possibility that he'll score a last-minute winner for us in the playoff final at Wembley. There's two ways of looking at it. No, I just, I hope on principle he doesn't, because he's this season he seems to have he's been given a chance again. He's managed to get a sent off. He's been off AWOL for some sort of bizarre reasons. It's, it's been weird that no one's ever quite ever mentioned what it is. But then he's been allowed back in again after that. And then he's, well, it's just an ass. There's no reason to be getting yourself sent off 20 seconds after coming onto the pitch. He, I, I, I wouldn't actually care if I never saw him again after that because I'd, I'd sort of decided he might have something to offer again this season after he'd made a few decent appearances off the bench, having initially thought, no, he's crap, what's he, what's he actually doing here? He can't control the football. But he did give us a bit of a different option, but now the only option he gives us is, do we want someone on who doesn't, a liability. Who doesn't mind assaulting people? <laughs> Can you imagine if him and Gradle played up front together in the same match, he'd just be carnage with pointless anger spilling out all over the pitch? All right, then, it's a quick challenge, because we timed his, uh, his appearance on the pitch at, what was it, about 58 seconds or something? Um, you now have 58 seconds to summarise his Leeds career before you were punched in the face for no reason. Go. Nice. <laughs> no. Cartwheel. <laughs> Better than Jimmy. 
at cartwheels. <laughs> All right, 58 seconds or less. <laughs> All right, then. Idiot. Idiot. Started, started badly. Did well for about a week. Then was rubbish again. Sent off on loan. No one would have him for good. Then we had him back eventually. Jermaine Beckford probably still likes you. I'm sure he still practised that celebration in training. My input into this is just severely limited footballer. And that's it. Yeah, look at his list. Look how old he is. Look how many clubs he's had. No one ever keeps him for very long. And I think that is an indication of not only how good a footballer he is, but of how awkward he must be to manage. Haven't we he, kept him for about three seasons? But we've sent him out. We've tried our best yeah. to get rid of him. We've sent him to Millwall and Charlton yeah. in between times. What does it say about Leeds United? We can't even get rid of rubbish like Trezor Candle. Well, we offered him a three-year contract, didn't we, after he'd, he'd had... A few really bad months in the championship. They had like a good a good week in the in League One, and all of a sudden we panicked and offered him a massive contract. And now, ridiculously, his contract expires after Beckford's. What have <laughs> What have we become? <laughs> so, see you later, Trez. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, I mean, Cheers to, to the goal at Tranmere. Yeah, to give him a positive, he scored at Tranmere, and he yeah, you know what, his, his input, although it may have been limited, um, it was still an input, I guess, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. That's the only way I can summarise it, really. Yeah. Oh, all this hate mongering. Um, we should probably leave it there. I think if you want to get in touch with us, uh, podcast at thesquareball.net is the email address. We are also uh, available via the mediums of Facebook and Twitter. Uh, to the magazine current issue is available now and will be available only for the Swindon game there's a new one coming out after that for the next home game against Southend uh, current issue includes a special four page reaction uh, to the season ticket renewal prices uh, amongst other things if you want to buy the magazine uh, you can do that you can get the season's back issues buy the Visit Beast and t-shirts yeah do that uh, go to the website squareball.net and follow the link with the magazine uh, you will also find a chat forum there if you like being abused by all means register and post some stuff <laughs> Uh, so yeah we give our thanks to Radio Air for the use of the studio once again uh, goodbye to all you gentlemen uh, here in the studio uh, Michael Normanson bye bye Daniel Chapman goodbye Paul O'Dowd goodbye and Trezor Candle. he's got me by the throat <laughs> <laughs> next podcast will be out 13th of April uh, we look forward to speaking to you then we'll have full uh, previews of Carlisle away Gillingham away MK Don's at home and let's just hope the Rose Garden is a little bit rosier on that particular occasion we'll speak to you then to buy the Squareball magazine, get back issues and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.